Hello and good afternoon, good evening or good night or whatever hour of the day or night it is that you're listening to this podcast. You're very welcome to the Mead Chronicles Sports Podcast Talk Good Game. I'm Fergal Lynch and yet again I'm joined in studio by Jimmy Gagan. Jimmy, you're very welcome. Hello Fergal, how are you? It's like an Arctic box in here today, Jimmy. It is, it is, but uh, milder weather on the way, Fergal, so we can look forward to that spring weather. Well, that gives us a great segue. You're a great man for leading us into segues when we talk about weather. It was a bit of a disaster over the weekend for Mead supporters anyway and a kind of a mini disaster for the Mead players who travelled down to Ennis on Sunday for the National Football League Division 2 game against Clare or sorry travelled down on Friday night sorry travelled down on Friday night for the National uh, Football League Division 2 game against Clare only to have it postponed on Saturday after what was described as a deluge of rain uh, that hit Ennis and probably hit the whole country at that stage Um bit of a late call a lot of supporters had left I know the supporters club bus has, was well on the way uh, there was also a group from Manalvi uh, Brian Gilson brought a group of kids down to were bringing them down to Ennis for the game um, from Manalvi and they got late word I suppose like the rest of us around about a quarter to 11 10 to 11 uh, that the game was off yeah uh, I, 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 know, I know sorry I know yeah. Brian Brian Gilson and uh, they did a detour and into Galway and they brought the kids bowling, so I'm sure the kids are happy enough anyway. But, uh, you know, it was an ideal situation. No, I know a lot of uh, GA supporters would love if the GA sort of made a decision to call off games at, at nine o'clock in the morning. But but then again, you can't uh, legislate for a cloudburst at 11 o'clock or half 12 or something like that. And, uh, you know, we, we get that kind of weather, uh, certainly in this country. So it's difficult to legislate against something like this. And um, you have to feel for the supporters, though, who went down because, you know, it's a long journey down and come back. The, the team didn't, you know, they had the luxury of uh, moving into Limerick I think to a hotel in there to stay there overnight but uh, a lot of supporters had to travel up and down and, and I'm sure many went back down again on Sunday Yeah well I, I got as far as Ballinasloe and when uh, Brian Kelly and Kieran Flynn contacted me the Mead PROs in fairness they, they were, did their best to keep us up to date now the same couldn't be said for Clare GA when you're trying to follow their Twitter they had no updates like the idea of Twitter out there and social media as a whole is to make news instant, to make it available. And they just didn't avail of that to keep supporters up to date. Now, of course, I have my own conspiracy theory as to what went on. I think, okay, nobody's denying there was a lot of rain and nobody's denying that the pitch was wet. But when you saw that pitch on Sunday and how dry it was and how firm the ground was, it's difficult to believe that the pitch wasn't playable on Saturday. So my conspiracy theory was that the Clare officials looked at it and they thought, you know what, lads? Our hurlers are playing in Waterford today in the National Hurling League quarterfinal. I think that'd be a nicer game to tip off down to. And it was easy for them to call it off. I'm not saying that they just made a decision and, and said, oh, feck them, we're going to call this game off. It was easy. No, the pitch might have been a bit soggy, might have been difficult to play on, but they made an easy decision and said, we'll call this off and we'll settle down and watch the hurlers play in Waterford. But uh, we have a little bit of, of audio. I asked Andy McEntee, was it much of a disruption? Uh, to the team's preparations for the game and and uh, you know were were they upset by the game being postponed on Saturday? So here's Andy's views on that. Andy, just about the postponement of the game. Can you believe looking at that pitch today that it wasn't playable yesterday? Well, I, I, you'd certainly say the condition of the day you'd find it hard. But I mean, I spoke to Callum Collins beforehand and. Uh, I, I, I trust absolutely what he said to me is true. He said, there's so much rain here. He said, it just didn't have time to, to go away. Okay. 
Yeah. Like it, I mean, the surface was fantastic yeah. out there. The surface but was great. Yeah. It just it, it's 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 probably firm enough that the water doesn't get a chance to flow away. And you have a look at the at the lands around here. Uh, you could come up with a conspiracy theory, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm not really going along that route. I think. Uh, I, I, I trust if Callum says the pitch is unplayable, then the pitch is unplayable. And how much of a disruption was it then? Was it you know having to stay an extra night, having to find a new place to stay? Well, I, I'd have to say that, you know the Woodstock Hotel were very helpful, and so were the Radisson and, and Limerick very helpful. Uh, you know, it, it was I would have thought on, on Paddy's weekend it was unlikely that we get a hotel uh, to, with, with 25 rooms. Uh, so. Uh, I would have thought it was unlikely, but the Radisson were able to facilitate us, and it made a big difference because the thoughts of driving home and driving back down again didn't really appeal to anybody. Yes, well, obviously the the pitch uh, and the state of the pitch uh, on on Saturday was a major inconvenience as it turned out for Mead supporters, but they they went back to the important thing. Of, uh, we should focus, of course, on this uh, Fergal is that um, Mead won. Yeah, they are still on course, and uh, it will take something truly exceptional to prevent him now from going up to Division 1. Um, you were very impressed with the second half performance, I believe, uh, uh, of me there. On Sunday, yeah, on I really, really, really was, Jimmy. I thought the second 35 minutes was as fine a period of football as me have played. OK, we can say that the Kildare game was all excitement and all, you know, got Partholchen was rocking at the final whistle, but they didn't really play that well against Kildare. They played well in patches against Arman, against Donegal as well. But this was a completely different type of performance. They played it with the wind in the first half and Clare rocked them with a goal which really against the run of play and against the wind you know, would have rattled Mead going in at half time and they could have sat there thinking Geez, we probably should be seven, eight, nine points up with that strong wind that was at the back. But they came out in the second half plus they finished the first half with 14 men after Shane Gallagher picked up a black card in at some stage during the build-up to Clare's goal, nobody seems to know what the black card was for. He picked up the black card, missed the last couple of minutes of the first half, missed the first few minutes of the second half then as well. And then he was only back on the field five minutes and Brian Menton picked up a black card. And would you say would you say the second half performance was even better than it was against Kildare? Because it was very good against Kildare. Yeah, well, you know, the performance against Kildare, while it was decent and it was, it was a return to the never say die spirit and great to see that the actual we only snatched victory very late in that game so as an overall performance I would say the second half against Clare when you consider the elements I can't I can't stress to you how strong the wind was below Nennis it really was very strong and it was difficult to create you know you wouldn't score from outside 30-35 yards it wasn't possible but Mead were patient in their play very uh, deliberate in their build up they didn't rush things they didn't panic they tried to force Clare into mistakes defensive mistakes one Clare player stop out of their def- or step out of their defensive line and me took that step into those positions to create scoring opportunities and one player was really the catalyst to all that and, I know, and it was Graham Riley Graham came on uh, as a, an early sub in the second half and was hugely influential I know people are questioning that you know maybe he should be starting and you know it's a valid claim maybe Graham should be starting on the team but there's no denying that when he comes on with 25, even 30 minutes to go in a game, he's causing havoc. Yeah, and why he's winning he, games for me. Why Mead. do you think he's not starting? Uh, I think he's not starting because simply you can see the impact he's having as a sub. Mm. Uh, if you have a fresh, fully fit, 100% flying Graham Riley running at a defence whose energies are depleted, 
There's not a defence in the country will cope with Graham Riley when when a defence is at 70% and Graham Riley's at 100 There's not a defence in the country that's going to deal with him. And and he showed it on, on Sunday where his ball carrying, his awareness on the ball, he knew when to slow it down. He was patient. He picked out his passes. He, he took on defenders when he had to take them on. And it, it, just the goal he scored was an epitome of his energy. He started to move out around midfield, got involved in it again around the middle, got in and was at the end of a, of a just a fisted centre across the front of the goals to palm it to the net and took a heavy knock when doing it. So he was brave as well. And it was great to see Graham having that type of an impact on the game. And it really was the win. And it was, the goal gave Meade such a lift. And it just went on from there. And, OK, the goal, you might say it knocked the stuffing out of Clare. But Clare didn't stop. They they worked hard. They tried to get at Meade. But the Meade defence was superb. Once again, Conor McGill was outstanding. It's an awful pity the GA don't do what the ladies do in their thing where they have a a divisional team of the champion or team of the league where they've division one team and division two all stars, division three because Conor McGill would walk onto yeah, I'd say he'd walk onto the division one all star mm. team. He was an exceptional fullback and was brilliant again on Sunday. But having James McEntee back was a huge a huge help as well back from injury. Uh, Shane Gallagher once again was brilliant. Ronan Ryan Ronan Ryan is having a dream debut year. I, I, you know, Ronan didn't didn't play for Summerhill in a lot of their games in the championship. He wasn't wasn't in the running. But defensively, and Donald Keoghan again, outstanding. Shame Dara Campion, I believe, was very good. Dara was Dara was decent, quieter than in a lot of other games uh, yeah. that he had he's been good. in. But again, he's one for the future, and these games are just going to make Dara better, better, and a far better player. But. It, it all just boils down now to next Sunday. And, you know, Mead, you can say Mead got their job done. The situation is very simple, is that Mead can't afford to lose against Fermanagh, but I'm sure there's not a hope in hell of them going into the game with that attitude. They'll want to beat Fermanagh and make six wins out mm. or seven as games. As long as they don't lose by ten points. As long as they don't lose by ten points. Yeah, which is not going to happen, I don't think, from the well, uh, when, when, when we evidence went, up to this. We were going yeah. through, we were going through uh, for Manus scores earlier on in the day, myself and yourself, and we were chatting. And, you know, they've, they've scored 13 points was their highest return in one game. They scored 2-5 in another game. Whereas any other, any other game after that, I think this year, they've only managed, let me see, I'll, I'll a quick run down through it. They scored eight points against Cork in the first round. They scored 2-5 against Tipperary in round two. They scored eight points against Kildare in round three. They scored 13 points against Donegal. They scored 12 points against Clare. And they scored six points last week. So, yeah, so to suggest they're that they're going to win by 10 points, you know, they, they have a scoring difference, I think, of just plus two from their from their six games. They have a scoring difference of plus two. Yeah, well, so. they, are, they are one of these things, the typical uh, Ulster side, the, you know, in terms of like to uh, bring players back in numbers and big numbers. Mead, Mead played that kind of style. It, it looked like they were going to play that kind of style last year for a while, Fergal. But they didn't. They, they w- they've gone away from that this year, haven't they? Much more attacking. In ter- you know, they're, they're not funneling back as much as they... And, and that's great because meat supporters don't want that they don't well, want to see their team you know, play like that I, I, I wouldn't agree with you in saying they're not funneling, funneling back they're funneling back alright but they're not staying there they're bombing forward when the break happens they bomb forward like like Brian McMahon conceded a free picking the ball off the ground on his own 13 metre line Brian McMahon mm. number 13 on his jersey that's how deep back he was working 
Thomas O'Reilly is doing phenomenal work back inside his own 45 metre line. Mickey Newman is winning ball out around midfield or closer to his own 65. So the mid players are funneling back, but when they break, they're breaking, breaking, they're breaking. They're not staying pace. around defensively. No. He, he was holding players back, yeah. seemingly, last year. Yeah. There's certainly lo- and and mid supporters were. They don't, you know, as yeah, I said, no as I said, well, you know, for Manus supporters, we have this tradition in this county, don't we? Uh, yeah. We like to to play, you know. But, well, it used to be uh, loft the ball into the big full forward, you know, yeah. long ball into the forward. Yeah, that's a Get game into the, the forward quickly. Changed, oh, I know it's changed, changed from that. I know and, that's yeah. And I'm uh, sure the for Manus supporters don't like the way Rory Gallagher has the team playing. But if it's getting results, especially for the likes of Fermanagh, if it's getting results and it gets them up into Division 1, and they still have a chance of getting into Division 1. Like, if they win, if they beat uh, Mead, let's see, what, how did Donegal... Yeah, if they beat Mead on Sunday by two points, we'll do them. One point will do them. If they beat Mead, then Mead and Fermanagh go up. So would you would you like to, would you like prefer to see them playing this defensive if it meant us... Not only securing place in Division One, but but staying in Division One. Would you would you accept that then, as a Mead for supporter, Mead? or as somebody who sees Mead regularly? Yeah. So if Mead were to go up next year, yeah. we're, we're already going to preview twenty twenty. Well, National it League looks Division like we're one. there, Fergal. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we I know, to... I know. I'm just my 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 ever worrying pessimist in me, which I don't no, bring out can't... too often. I am the eternal optimist when it comes to Mead football. Um, would I like to see Mead go into Division One and do what they had to do at all costs to stay there? Absolutely. For a season or two, absolutely, because Mead football needs to be operating at the highest level for a couple of years. No good if Mead get promoted up to Division 1 and then are the whipping boys up there next year. No point going out playing gung-ho football and getting your arse handed to you on the plate and not being able to not be able to learn from it, not be able to gain the experience that they need to bring into championship football. So Mead need to get into Division 1 and I don't think they ne- they will need to go all for mana on it, and I'm doing my air quote signs here. They don't they don't need to go all for mana on it next year and put all fifteen players behind the ball and sit there and hope to win a game five four, because they're playing against teams that will want to come out and play attractive football. You'll be playing against your Dublin's, your Mayo's, your Kerry's. You're going to be playing against okay. You'll still well, have Tyrone. You'll, you'll still have Tyrone. You'll still have got with Tyrone opened up. Tyrone have changed their style. You could see it against Dublin on on Saturday. They've changed their style as well, and uh, we proved in the championship against Tyrone that we can live with them as well. And we proved against—I don't know who's going to come down out of Division One. Looks in Monaghan and Cavan at this stage, maybe. Cavan are gone. Uh, yeah, down. yeah. So uh, you know, two other Ulster teams. We can get away from Ulster teams for a while. It'll be mm. a while because in, it'll be good because in Division Two we seem to be stuck with Ulster teams for a long, well, well, a long spell. Well, we don't want to become a, a, a do we a team like a, a now all due respects to our our. our brethren in the Breffney County but do we do do we want to become a team like Cavan who go up there for a little while then back down again the next season well, that's today, what I'm today are the same yeah, you know, they that, just can't manage to saying, cling but, on there but. but there's eight teams in division in division one and there are six four uh, there's four to six clear you know they're the top teams in the country you're Dublin uh, Tyrone Kerry Mayo Galway are flying at the minute. They're, these are the top teams in the country. So you're not expecting them to drop down to Division 2 again. It's always going to be the promoted team from Division 2 are always going to be the favourites to get relegated again next year. But that didn't happen in Division 2 this year where we thought you know, the two teams coming up from Division 3 are going to get relegated. Whereas you know, Fermanagh and uh, Armagh have more than held their own in Division 2 this year. So if we can... If... Touch wood. If we can get up into Division One, you know, uh, hold our own. 
hold the, our own and, and sustain our place in Division 1, learn from the experience and kick on again because it needs to be brought into the Championship. Sure. Well, the cricket uh, cricketers uh, talk of collapsing at the wicket, but it would take a, an almighty, a, a, a mother and father collapse at the wicket for me not to get, to get up to Division 1. Jimmy, we all, know, but, uh, we all but, uh, know what Fermanagh, our bogey team, remember the, the latter years of the boiling era. Fermanagh were... We're the team that knocked us out qualifiers and, yeah. and you know, they, they caused us a lot of problems for Mana. And even a couple of years ago, going up to Breton or up to uh, Brewster Park and Enniskillen, uh, as far as I can remember, it was a low scoring game, seven points to eight or nine points to eight or something very low scoring. I'm not expecting us to lose by 10 points. But, but you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Well, you saw a me team winning. Fergal uh, on Sunday I saw me team winning on Friday yes and to beat a Dublin side well there's a positive in a Gaelic football match which yeah. is uh, always all, good always good yeah yeah Ashbourne um, Community School we're Jimmy not, we're not hiding our allegiance here one, one little bit no um, no, no it no. says uh, yes Ashbourne Community School uh, brilliant performance to beat Scaries in the Leinster uh, in the Leinster post-primary schools uh, senior football championship B final. Um, yes, it was a brilliant performance by them. They, you know, they, they really um, they, they played some excellent football. You know, to to win. Although the manager wasn't the, uh, the manager wasn't. Yeah, that, I was going to uh, say with that he he didn't seem overly pleased. Declan Finnegan. Well, he 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 was pleased obviously with the, with the victory, but he just felt that the team uh, can play a lot better than that than they did against Gary's and uh, th- that says a lot for me for because you know um we d- we look at we look around for the green shoots and uh, and so on and uh, and what the the level of player coming through and certainly watch, watching Ashburn uh, it was a very impressive performance so some really profess- professional um uh, top class displays there from some of their players you know like Jack O'Connor I thought was an excellent player uh, Killian Hogan was another um, Dara Sullivan you know they had some um, Dawson Devoy they had a brilliant attack and uh, they, they really you know they, they scored as I say they won, they won that game by 6-7 to 4-8 yeah, so there was yeah. plenty of, plenty of um, goals in that game But yeah, well, it's, go- it's good to see you know an Ashbourne community school and, and it's not just players from Ashbourne you have players there from Kilbride you have players plenty of players from St Vincent's uh, your Curraha are represented there with a couple of players as well. So it's good to see that the uh, the spread of clubs that are sending players to Ashburn Community School uh, is pretty wide, and they're reaping rewards as well. Yeah, well, one of the coaches, Joe Gibney, he was telling me that uh, for the first time in quite a few years, uh, the, the the starting fifteen are all from Mead clubs. Right. Okay. And uh, even in the squad, there's a there's a couple of um, players who are on the Mead minor panel this year and they didn't get a starting place so that's okay, yeah. that has to be a very positive sign I, I suppose for the did I read something in your report that there's some guy on the team who's on the Dublin minor yes panel. there is yeah and he's with a meat club uh, no he's not no he's with the Fingal Ravens or the Ravens I think it right is. okay, well, he's, he's okay. With, a, with a Dublin club but um, but he didn't start he didn't start you know, okay so. okay there was also uh, victories for the two ladies mead ladies teams that were out in action at the weekend the uh, Eamon Murray's senior or intermediate team is what they are playing in National League Division 3 went down to Kildare to take on the hosts in Newbridge which was the curtain raiser to Kildare's National Football League game against Tipperary so it's great again to see the ladies getting on the bill of the the big game for the men as well but Mead went down to that game probably assuming that they're going to win and and comfortably secure their place in the quarterfinals now they did or sorry in the semi-finals they did secure that place in the semi-final 
but it was far from the the comfortable victory that they were expecting. Yeah, they had to work really hard, didn't they? Yeah. And rely on uh, uh, Stacey. Uh, yeah, well, they were Grimes they were five point five points, late. I think four or five points down late in the game, um, and they managed to claw it back again. Stacey's on a phenomenal player, you know, has to be nearly in one of the top five players in the country at this stage. But her free sure. taking kept Mead in the game, and uh, then a late goal from. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Nesbitt got a, a brilliant late goal which brought Mead level and Stacey held her nerve then in injury time with it she had taken a shot it had gone over the bar and the referee blew it back to say no no I'd blown the whistle for a free and he gave Stacey a free so she had to steady her nerves then again and kick the ball over the bar to ensure the victory but there were six points down with ten minutes ago I think yeah uh, well there, uh, there, there was so a, there there was a well behind yeah. you know and they fought back so that's a great uh, sign of a team that believes and never gives up, you know. Yeah, we, we talked about t- talked about that last week, and yeah. Well, we spoke. We, we've already mentioned Stacey and Kelsey there. I think if anybody has a chance to get onto social media and see the cup, the few saves that Monica McGurk made, uh, I, I know several goalkeepers of higher renown than you or me, Jimmy, um, placing plenty of right. praise at Monica's door with some of the stops she made. One save or two, a double save late on in the game, where a player was coming through one on one. She kept her out. Uh, parried the ball it broke to another player she got up quick and then parried it again with her feet an unbelievable double save and Monica McGurk is is while Mead are running away with games and they're playing well and they're brilliant uh, brilliant all over the field defensively and in attack as it happens in ladies games goal chances can arrive thick and fast but with Monica McGurk and goals Mead are keeping them out and it really was just a, a phenomenal masterclass of goalkeeping from Monica McGurk and well the, the, the tough test they got against Kiltero would probably do them good because they're into the semi-finals now yeah. so it's a, it's a matter of uh, sharpening up their game and I think th- this will obviously help well they're on, the, the, they're on the bill again as a part of a double header next Sunday with the Mead footballers so we're, we're urging all supporters if you can get to Partholgen early uh, Mead are taking on Wicklow against uh, or in at the 12, national, at twelve o'clock in Partholchen mm. in uh, the National League Division Three. As you said, the semi-final place is already secured, but Mead want to finish top of that group so that they can play the fourth team in the division, avoid Kildare and Roscommon in the semi-finals, and then look forward to to the National League final. There's a little bit of a dilemma with the National League final because the Miners uh, went and won yesterday. Uh, beat awfully 7 yep. 16 to Your 9 team, points yeah yeah I'm lucky enough to be involved with them a great bunch but um beat awfully 7 16 to 9 points really impressive again uh and coupled with Kildare's win over Dublin means that Mead and Kildare are both in the Leinster final now they still have to play each other in the final group stage group game but uh we're not sure if that's going to take place now or not but the dilemma now is that the Leinster minor final is fixed for Monday the 6th of May and the National Football League Division 3 final, which hopefully Mead will be in, we're keeping our fingers crossed, is fixed for the Saturday, the 4th of May. And there are a crossover of three players on both teams. So Orla Lally, Emma Duggan and Sarah Wall are all are part of both panels, the senior and the minor. So some sort of uh, decision is going to have to be made. I'm sure the, the National League final won't change from the 4th because they're generally shown on TV. So maybe... Maybe common sense will prevail when it comes to the Leinster minor final. Maybe there's no need to play the last game of the group against Kildare. Maybe move the game forward, bring it forward by a week or two, and we'll play the Leinster final in the later stages of April. But that's up to the uh, to the authorities, the powers that be, to, to make, do, yeah, make that, that decision. Mm. Um, what else have we got in in this week's Mead Chronicle, Jimmy? We're looking forward to the start of the 
Northeast Football League, the soccer season, the summer soccer season. Uh, well, it's all the rain yeah. that fell out again. The summer soccer season is kicking off this weekend. It, well, with Shield matches, uh, Fergal, then there'll be a round of Shield matches, then the leagues will get underway, you know. And uh, Who's our who's our best local hope? In, well, in the Premier Division, there's three teams. Uh, there's uh, Trim Celtic, Park Villa, Jalik. Uh, you'd have to look at Trim Celtic as, as realistic... Uh, a team with realistic hopes of winning the title you know they've been there thereabouts in recent seasons and uh, Alan Murphy is, is back there again um, he's going to lead the charge and I believe he's got a few new players in um, and he's got other players as well Connor Walsh you know, um, you know, he's got Connor Walsh. Uh, uh, Colum Carney is is back as well. He's got he's injured at the moment, though, I believe, Colum. And um, but you know, he once he gets back fit again, fully fit, he'll be a huge help. So there's him. only yeah. the three me teams in in the Premier Division. Yes, only the three. Yeah, Trim Celtic, Dulic, and uh, Park Villa. And Park Villa. Yeah. yeah. So Trim Celtic, best placed. Best based, and you know they've got a manager who knows what it takes to uh, to win trophies. Uh, League of Ireland, of course. Uh, Alan Murphy played with various teams, played in a couple of uh, FAI Cup finals with Longford Town. Um, but uh, he's he's a man with great experience, and he hasn't playing a nice brand of football now. They didn't um, they got to the final there at the end of last year and um, lost to Morehead no more, but. And and then they faded in the league as well. But look, I th- I think they they've added to their panel, they've strengthened. So I think they're they're going to be a force. And you fancy in Division One, you fancy OMP. Uh, I do uh, OMP. Yeah, yeah. They, they were very unlucky. They went close to to uh, making the grade, getting promoted, uh, last year. I think you know I was talking to David Doyle, the manager, and uh, you know he's he's optimistic again this year. And uh, you know to have new facilities, they're a great club actually, OMP, because. They've they've invested a lot in their ground. They've uh, cordoned off their pitch. Their pitch, as we know, was uh, vandalised there in, yeah, in recent years, and uh, their yeah. clubhouse there. So uh, they're a great club. They're moving forward, and I would I would certainly go for them for Division One to win Division One. Okay, finally, then Jimmy, we're just going to just very briefly um, look back at Cheltenham last week, which. I know Gordon Elliott was the leading trainer for the previous two years. He had seven winners in 2017, mm. eight winners in 2018, and had high hopes with a huge, huge hand going to Cheltenham um, this week or last week, just gone. He had a huge hand going there, and he was hopeful that he might retain his leading jockey jock, or leading trainer's title. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, I suppose what, what was a bad week for Gordon Elliott would have been a triumph for other trainers. Gordon sure. had three winners over the week over the week um, but there was one local trainer who had a, a phenomenal opening day just when we were before or shortly after we recorded Gavin last Cromwell, week's yeah. podcast Gavin Cromwell trained uh, Esport Allen to victory in the champion hurdle on the opening day so that was a great win for for the Danestown Ballrat trainer and uh, he was delighted with, with that you know to, to get a winner at Cheltenham is great but to win one of the the championship, well, they're all championship races, but to win one of the big races of a day in Cheltenham really was a, a remarkable achievement by Gavin Cromwell, who's, you know, he's becoming a bigger name in Irish racing, but uh, he, he still operates his farrier business. He's a farrier by trade, and he he still operates that, and he does his he does his work. He had actually shooed Gordon Elliott's apples, Jade, and he thought that apples Jade would have been a strong fancy in that race, and he thought, you know, that she was going to be in a great position to win the champion hurdle, but it turned out that his own horse, Sport Allen, won it. Um, but Gordon, as we said, did have three winners. Barry Garrity also had a slow start to it, but he rode a couple of winners in a, in a row when he, uh, Deffy De Soil won in the JLT Novice on the Thursday. 
Um, and I think he he also had another winner then when he had uh, in the next race then as well. He rode Sire de Bearless, and my pronunciation of these horses, I'm sure, is completely arses. But one of the highlights of the week for for Irish race racing and definitely for locals was Tiger Roll's performance. Uh, re, you know, he, what a performance from Tiger to Grand National winning horse last year on Davy Russell but for Keith Donahue to come yes. out and ride him in the cross country chase yes of course he had the mead flag there he as had well. the, he had a mead, mead scarf, scarf rather. Yeah, presented um, to him by Paddy O'Rourke as he was walking back into the winner's enclosure Paddy popped up and presented the winning jockey yeah. Keith Donahue. I was lucky enough just uh, the day after the race to catch up with Keith uh, got to talk to him on the phone he was still in Cheltenham and uh but I got to talk to him on the phone and have a quick word with him about the victory and about the whole occasion. And and he has a lot of difficult difficulties. A tall fella, Keith, and he struggles, not anymore, but in the past he's had struggles to make the weight, um, to be a top, top, top class national hunt jockey. He's a tall but, man, isn't but he? He's a, a tall, tall, young man, tall guy, yeah. So to make, to make 11 stone 11 um, is a phenomenal achievement for him. And to ride Tiger Roll to victory, as he said, was one of his proudest days. So as I said... I caught up with him and we're going to finish today's show with uh, just what, what Keith had to say to me in our in our interview last week. So we hope you enjoy this. It's uh, six or seven minutes of an interview. Uh, so just sit back and, and enjoy that and hear Keith's words after Tiger Roll's victory in the cross country at Cheltenham last week. Yeah, it's, look at it. It, means, it means the world. Yeah, like, uh, you know, every jockey dreams of riding one at Cheltenham and, you know, to, to get it is brilliant. Uh, and and how how different was it to last year's win when or when you rode Tiger Road before to success was it was it more it was far this time? Huh? It was easier. <laughs> yeah, a lot easier this time, was it? Yeah. <laughs> he, he fairly romped in. It's a real hero of a horse. Yeah, it's a lovely. You know, he's a serious horse to win a four champion festivals and to to win a Grand National and you know plenty of other races along the way. So he's he's an unbelievable horse, and you know you could probably say he's probably getting better. Was the win at Navin a couple of weeks ago even more surprising when you saw what he did in the Boyne Hurdle and he was what, 25 to 1 that day? Yeah, that was probably a small bit of a surprise. All right. You know, we did think we did think he'd run okay that day, but obviously it was just kind of run to make sure they'd leave him right for today, or for, sorry, for Wednesday, because um, Wednesday was his... That was the main aim all year, you know? Yeah, when you say it was the main aim, it was the main aim for him all year... Was it the main aim for you as well? Was that was this the ride you've been looking forward to? Oh, definitely. Sure. Look at all oh, year I've known that I'll be riding Tiger Road in the cross country racing. Like that's the that's where you want to be winning. You know, I've had uh, two other rides over here as well, but Tiger Road was the main one for weeks. From you know, there's always been in my head for the last few months is just getting to travel up to ride Tiger Road. So then, when you when you fell and broke your eye, your eye socket, and your nose and your cheekbone and everything, was that a fear? That that mightn't happen. It, it was a little bit, but uh, the first thing I asked the doctors was how long I'd be back, and they said six weeks max. And I said once I'm back, I grow old. I didn't mind. Thankfully, you know, I got back after a month, it, and it, then I got back to ride them in the wine herd as well. It, it, it's a mental life, Keith, isn't it? it it's it's jockeys. These are a different breed when it comes to injuries, and you hear some jockeys talking about, ah, oh, yeah, no, I I was relatively injury free. I I just broke a collarbone a couple of times, broke a couple of arms, broke a couple of legs. Is there a hardy bunch? Yeah, it is. Like I probably have to have probably one of my best seasons since Christmas. You now I had a great one winner, a great two winner, and a Cheltenham Festival winner. But 
in between that in the two and a half months I broke my eye socket in three places my cheekbone and my nose <laughs> you know it's, it just it's goes to show the, a, lot, a lot can happen like. it goes to show the roller coaster of it yeah. you had times as well I know you don't like going back to it too much but you had times earlier on in your career where you were wondering you know you're a tall fella and, and making the weight was difficult for somebody of your height that you considered giving it up maybe uh, I suppose days like Wednesday make all those thoughts disappear yeah that's it you know every every day you're out running or every day you're watching your weight or you're in the saunas you know it's, you do it for days like Wednesday and you know that makes up for all the years of hard work and torture for just them one them one big days you know yeah I read in, in Vincent Hogan's article as well where he says that all you'd eaten on the day was one one slice of white pudding was that true yeah yeah which that's 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 normal enough so you could, that's nothing to us like really every, that's not that's not just me that has to do that you know what I mean like even jockeys that be doing can do lightweight states will do that too you know it's just that's, that's a lifestyle I'm in. And where do you get the energy then, Keith? Because it's not as if you're just sitting on a horse and, and been brought around for the ride. It's it's a it's a hard push, it's a hard slog, especially on, on the cross country. Yeah, it's just adrenaline. Pure adrenaline. Pure adrenaline. You never, you never feel weak or tired. You know, if you lost five or six pounds to ride a horse, you'd never, you'd be always 100% right now. Yeah, yeah, that's great, isn't it? It's brilliant to be able to, yeah. call, brilliant to, be able to call on those reserves. DM, when you came back in today, or when you were being led back into the winner's enclosure on Wednesday, Paddy O'Rourke popped up beside you. Were you expecting to see Paddy there with a mead scarf to hand over? Yeah, he, he, said, he sent me a picture of it last Saturday saying that he had it ready. All right, right. Yeah, he, so he, he, he was really confident. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, so you were only too happy to hoist it up. There's some great photos of it around. It's great ah, yeah, to see you. Sure. Yeah, so Paddy, Paddy, be one of my best friends. Like, so you know, I knew he'd be there, and he was there last year as well. So yeah, it's good yeah. to see. You know, people got, and even though walking down the street, like plenty faces, and you like Fraser Murdoch and Colin Murdoch and all that. You know, it's good to see all them people. Yeah, what what's the uh, what was the atmosphere like? What was the feeling like when you're going back into the winners' enclosure? He's such a popular horse, Tiger Roll, and and I think everybody was delighted for your story as well. What was the What was the yeah. atmosphere like? What was the cheer? Did it, here, stand up in the uh, back of your neck. So. Just, just, yeah, that's it. Like even, even going out, people were cheering them going out before the race. When we were going out around the race, and you know, when the, you come up close to where the big screen is in the race around them hedges, yeah. people are just they're close to the crowd, nodding here, just tiger old, tiger old, they're all just cheering them. It's such a popular horse. Like, but coming back in, you know, it was a serious, serious you, know. you had great praise for Gordon, Gordon Elliott as well after the race about what Gordon has done for you in your career. Um, I suppose he he has had a huge role to play in it, and especially with Tiger Roll's success as uh, well. Only 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 I would be in this position. Like there's no other trainer in heaven that probably stick by me. Like he had, he knows the struggles they have, but the way he knows, he understands it. He went through it himself, and if it wasn't for him, you know, I wouldn't be getting these rights and getting put up on good horses like Tiger Roll and getting you know Grade One winners out of it because he, you know, he's the best trainer in Ireland, and he's the, he's the man with all that fire, all that firepower. You were also asked about uh, the possibility of Tiger Roll being the next Red Rum, and you're happy enough to hand them back to Davy Russell for the Grand National. Do you not have a little pang to think, you know, I'd love to go around the fences at, at Aintree? I looked like I rode in the race last year as well when I couldn't do the weight on Tiger Roll, and I got a great spin in the race, and I was like to see Tiger Roll win it. And yeah. I think if I was in Davy Russell's position, I'd be very hoping that I'd ride him in the National. You know, if it was like the birthday, if he had a one on him and chance him. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I said, oh, yeah, I said, once I win and I'm a Cheltenham, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, football is a big thing for you as well, Keith, to play with screen there as well. You, you enjoy doing that and enjoy getting yeah, out. It's a distraction. So would the racing be standing in your way of an inter-county career with me, do you think? Uh, no, no, the way they're going at the minute, it could be, it could be a possibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> what, was there much uh, celebrations after Wednesday night? Did you get out to enjoy yourself? or? Uh, I, I don't drink, I've never drank, but um, I was alright for a while, alright, you know, didn't listen too much. Right, right, that's good enough. Keith, look, it was a great, great occasion for Mead Sport and I'm sure a great occasion for yourself. Thanks very much for for chatting to us about it anyway. Yeah, no, thank you. Keith, thanks a million. Talk to you later. So that's it from this week's Mead Chronicle Sports Podcast, Talk A Good Game. We hope you enjoyed the show. I know it went on maybe a little bit longer than we'd anticipated, which is usually the case. Once you get Jimmy going, it's hard to stop him. He's well revved up there. So, uh, Jimmy, a busy weekend coming up. Busy weekend. Well, of course, the, the main focus will be on the uh, Fermanagh game. So we'll all be going. Well, hopefully, some, most of us will be going to that. But uh, you'll be going anyway, Fergal. So we, we'll see how uh, that fares out. But that, I think that's the, that's the main event anyway. All no going doubt. well. I'm Fergal Lynch. That's Jimmy Gagan. And we've been talking a good game. Eat my goal. Eat my goal.